0: Welcome to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sastar. I've just been in this vein, this flow, the last few weeks. You've probably picked up on that. I don't know what I'm preaching next Sunday, so I'll, I'll just see what the Lord gives me. But there are things inside of me that I've got to get out And that's how I feel today. I've got to get some stuff out of me today that the Lord has put inside of me. And I've entitled this message, COVID Hasn't Stopped the Church. And I want to talk about the church today. Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some, Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, all right, but who do you say that I am? And before the other 11 could respond, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar means son of. So Simon, son of Jonah. His daddy's name was Jonah, but not that Jonah. Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't look this up on the internet. But my Father who is, who is in heaven revealed this to you. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades of hell shall not prevail against it. Have a seat. And I'm just going to Preach. Y'all put your seatbelt on. This roller coaster is about to take off. Jesus didn't have Facebook or access to polling data to have a sense of how the public viewed him. And so he inquired of his disciples, what do people think about me? And they said, well, some think you're John the Baptist, come back to life. Some think you're Jeremiah or... Elijah or one of the Old Testament prophets. He said, that's interesting. He said, okay, so now we know what the the public view of me is. He said, I'm curious, what do you think of me? Who do you think that I am? And before Bartholomew or Andrew or John or James or any of the other disciples could say something in response, Peter spoke up, impetuous Peter. And he said, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that the Old Testament prophets spoke about, the one that would come and liberate Israel, but more than that the one who would save us from our sins and set up a kingdom where the glory of God will cover the earth. You are the son of the living God. You are more than just a man. I see flesh before me, but you are more than you're not like any man I've ever met. You are more than that. You are divine. You are the son of the living God. Now that's pretty powerful. And the Lord blessed him because of that revelation that he got from the Lord. Now, Peter knew about him. And I want you to focus in on that for just a second. He knew about him. But it's great if you know about Jesus. And a lot of church people know about Jesus. But it's not enough to make you right with God. Peter knew who he was, but five minutes later, he was acting like the devil. Sometimes church people, my God, y'all better pray for me this morning. Church people that come to church on Sunday and act like they know about him, but on Friday night, they're acting like the devil, and God doesn't like it. You cannot know about him and leave it at that you can't just know who he is you have to know him personally as your lord and savior i'm preaching the gospel right now you have to confess your sins and believe that he died for you and paid sins price for you and repent of your sins and ask him to come in your heart and then confess and profess to anybody who wants to know that he is the savior of your life and he is now your leader and he's in charge Paul said, I know not what I believe, but he said, I know whom I have believed. You got to know him personally, intimately. And so after they've had this little discussion, the Lord transitions from talking about himself, the Christ, to talking about his people, the church. And you need to know this morning that the church is important to Jesus. Jesus. I don't know if it's important to you, those watching online. I don't know if it's important to you, but I'm telling you right now, the church matters to Jesus. And I want to say this morning, if the church matters to Jesus, it sure ought to matter to us. Jesus is intimately connected with his church. There is a beautiful scene in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. Go look at it sometime. It is, it is John seeing a vision of Jesus walking in the midst of seven, which is a number of perfection, golden candlesticks. In his right hand, John sees that he has seven stars in his hand, and he's walking in the midst of the church. He's not walking out of the church Sunday afternoon saying, I'll be back next week. But Sunday night, he's still in the midst of the church. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he's just walking in the midst of the church because that's what the revelation is. The seven candlesticks represent the church. Seven churches in Asia and the seven stars were the pastors. I'm glad to know he's got me in the hollow of his hand. The church is important to Jesus. The church is more than a local fellowship. When we think of the church, we think of this building or other church buildings. We may think about the local congregations. But, y'all, the church is more than that. It is the body of Christ. Did you hear me? The body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Paul's talking to believers and members individually. Ephesians 5, 23. Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So if you want to be a member of the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to be a member of his body. And to be a member of his body, you must be saved. I just finished Growth Track 1 for March. We had a great time. And I talk about church membership. And the first thing I say to the wonderful people in there is, You must be saved to join high praises. Please don't join high praises if you're not saved. Because if you're at a bar somewhere, bellied up, drinking a beer, cussing like a sailor, but you got on an HPC t-shirt, I got to try to explain that to somebody. You represent the church, high praises church. But let me tell you something, you do more than that. When you go out, you represent the true church. You represent Jesus Christ. Why does it matter how I live? Because you represent Jesus. And you represent us. Now, you probably know this, but it's possible to be a member of a local church and not be a member of the universal church. You probably don't know this, but I'm going to preach it. Attending a local church doesn't make you a member of the true church. Joining a life group doesn't make you a member of the true church. Giving some money in the offering plate or online doesn't make you a member of the true church. Joining a local church doesn't make you a member of the true church. Volunteering at a local church, watching a church service online doesn't make you a member of the true church. The true church is comprised of those who have been born again, washed in his blood, who have forsaken their sins and repented and left that all behind and have been transformed by the saving power of Jesus Christ, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, who are in Christ, and all things have passed away and everything has become new. That's who makes up the true church of Jesus Anybody here in the true church this morning? Anybody here in the true church? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> Woo! There is a disturbing passage of Hold on, I hadn't got into it yet. About to. There is a disturbing passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. I think this is on, on the screen. Yes. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, then who gets in? He or she who does the will of my Father in heaven. Can I put that in South Carolina terms? Folks that live right. Folks that read the Bible and do what it says. Folks who obey God. Many will say to me in that day, what day? The day of the judgment. Uh Uh-oh. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? Haven't we, Lord? The Lord doesn't even acknowledge it. Jesus says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. What? No, I didn't know you. Because you didn't know me. You knew about me, and you knew how to do ministry. But you never knew me. So depart from me, you who practice Lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness, John says in his little first John book. Sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness is when you live as if there is no moral law of God. You cannot simply say, I know Jesus. You prove that you know Jesus by obeying his word and doing his will daily. If I'm looking for an apple tree, I look for apples. If I'm looking for okra in the garden, I don't go to the green bean section. Right? I look for those long, tall stalks with those wonderful pods that you can fry. Don't you boil that stuff. Come on, somebody. If I want some squash, I go down, I'm looking in the squash section. Not where the maters are. All of a sudden, people know what maters are, don't you? No, I look for those yellow gourds that you fry. And the church said, hallelujah. Whew, feeling this. Don't you stew that stuff. Listen, you look for the fruit if you want to know the root. Does it matter how I live? Does it matter that I obey God? Can't I I just put on a show and do what I want on Friday night and say No. It does matter. It matters because it matters to Jesus. Listen, I'm gonna mess some of y'all up. At the great white throne judgment, (laughs) church people are gonna be there. Church people are going to argue with God. They didn't make it in the rapture. They're not in heaven. They're standing before the great white throne. Why can't we be in heaven? Lord, they're going to argue with Jesus. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils? We did a lot of mighty works in your name, Lord. We gave a lot of money. We did a lot of good things. We built buildings. We did things, Lord. I got involved. I contributed. Come on, Lord, that's got to count for something to argue with the Lord at the great white throne (laughs) they knew about him but it will be insufficient you know what scares me about this passage did you read their argument you know what it sounds like a Pentecostal church cast out devils many mighty works Prophesying sounds like a Pentecostal church to me. So I'm preaching to high praises and anybody else that would risk listening. Listening, to this crazy preacher from Anderson, South Carolina. It's not enough to go to a spirit-filled church, and it's not enough that your mama and daddy got the Holy Ghost, and it's not enough that your uncle has filled, and it's not enough that your brother's saved. You better get your own goods. You better stop warming yourself off of somebody else's fire. Get your own fire. Get your heart right with God. So instead of standing before God trying to argue your way into heaven and you're gonna lose that argument on the great white throne day of judgment, let all the judgment of your sins go to Calvary so that when you die or the rapture takes place to be absent from the body for those folks is to be present with the Lord. That's where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. While we're talking about the church, let's talk some more. Let me remind you this morning of something that's important. The church is Jesus' church. This is His church. Now, that would be assuming that everybody here is part of the true church. That may not be so, but I will speak with broad terms, and I will brush with broad strokes, assuming that most of y'all, maybe not all y'all, but most of y'all, No, Jesus. This is his church. This is not the pastor's church. It's not my church. It's not the deacon's church. It's not the elder's church. It's not the top tithe-paying member's church. It's not the charter member's church. It's his church. Say, Pastor Chris, how do you know it's his church? Because he said so. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. I know it's his church because he owns the title deed to it. I know it's his church because at Calvary he purchased us with his blood. I know it's his church because he redeemed us and took us as his own. I know it's his church because we are God's property. Consequently, Jesus is in charge and Jesus is in control of his church. You don't tell Jesus how the church will operate. (laughs) He tells you how the church will function. He tells you what you're going to say and what you're going to do. I've seen pastors, I'm thinking of names and faces right now, who developed a God complex and they were in control of church. And it's not, you know, we always think about mega churches and there's some mega churches, but I've seen this happen in small churches. And they don't listen to the board, the council, the deacons. Their wife, they don't listen to anybody. They just do what they want. Spend what they want. Run it the way they want. They have a God complex and nobody can tell them what to do. They don't even listen to the Lord. And oftentimes, most of the time, those pastors fail and fall. They're defrocked and good people get hurt. I have seen Big money people, I've seen it, I'm thinking of names and faces right now, go into a church, now this happens a lot of times in a smaller church, they make more money than anybody else, they give more ties than anybody else, I've seen them go into that church, because they know they've got the financial leverage, they'll run things and most of the people in the church don't make as much as them. They probably have more education, probably have a a title, position, a career in the public sector, and so everybody respects them, and so everybody just does whatever that person says to do, and then the pastor comes along, and then the man runs, or the woman, whoever the top tithe giver is, the big money person, they'll run the pastor so they can run the church. Oh yeah, I'm not making this up. I've seen it firsthand. And then if the pastor... Tries to bow up and say no I don't want to do that I don't think that's the direction God wants to do If he can't run the pastor He'll run off the pastor And then he'll go buy My God I just said it Then he'll go buy another one I'm preaching this I'm calling some stuff out today May not bless y'all but it might get somebody watching online That's not how God designed the church God designed the church so Jesus could be in charge. And I've been in a church. I think this church is that kind of church where Jesus is in charge. And when the church members and the church leadership yield to the lordship of Jesus, y'all, that's when great things happen in churches. Let me tell you what happens when Jesus is in control. The pastor preaches messages from God instead of sermons. There's a difference you can get, my God, I'm oh, it's getting on me. Y'all better watch out. You can get a sermon out of a book, but you get a message out of getting in the prayer closet and getting in your Bible and listening to what thus says the Lord in your ear. People may not like it. Some folks may leave, but you preach it anyway because it's the word that God gave you for the church. When Jesus is in control, the, the praise and worship team and the praise and worship leader, the worship pastor, will sing the songs that God tells him to sing. When the Lord is in control, the church leaders hear from God and operate under united vision. When the, when the Lord is in control, people will happily give their tithes and offerings. When Jesus is in control, the gifts of the Spirit are evident in the service. When Jesus is in control, God will divinely interrupt the service and touch his saints because he doesn't have to worry about some stubborn preacher or some format written down on a piece of paper, but he can say, y'all get out of the way. I want to do something and the people will say, have thy way, Lord. We want to move from God this morning. When Jesus is in control, sinners will get saved. When Jesus is in control, backsliders will get restored. When Jesus is in control, carnal Christians will have to straighten up. When Jesus is in control, people will get baptized with the Holy Ghost. We'll see miracles, healing, signs, and wonders, and the glory and the power of God will be in the church when Jesus can be Jesus and do what Jesus wants to do. Anybody want Jesus to be in control in this church? Come on, give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. drug addicts will be set free, alcoholics will be set free. My God, I want Jesus to be in control. I've seen, oh God, you all got to help me. I ain't got started good yet. You got, I've seen preachers, and it's so true today, they think they can talk their way into a movement. I'm, talking, I'm thinking about names of guys. Right now, I love these men. But there's some guys, they won't, they won't let a move of God. They say we won't have the gifts of the Spirit. They don't want anybody speaking in tongues. These are Pentecostal preachers. They just say, if I preach enough and talk enough, we can talk something into happening. I, I thank God for the gift of preaching and teaching and ministry. But y'all, it is not me. I'm just a vessel. I'm a glove. He's got to put his hand in me or I'm just wasting your time. But my Lord, when God steps in and does what God wants to do... That's when the church has to have enough spiritual sense to say the Lord is moving. Let's move where God is taking us. It scares some people because they feel like they're out of control. You're not in control in the first place. We've just got to stay with the format. Stay with the format. While the Lord sits over a corner and says, Is there any place in there for me to get in? If I haven't started offending yet, hold on, I'm moving there. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just shut up and be still so that we can know that He is Lord. Be still and know that I am God. That's what the Bible says. And, and, and while I'm and while I'm going. <laughs> Let me tell you something else. Not only does Jesus own this church, Jesus is building his church. This is where I wanted to get to. y'all all right? Just hang on, we're gonna be here a while. I'm gonna get this out. I've been holding this in for weeks. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is not sitting in heaven, passively watching us, with his arms folded, Leaving us to build his church through human effort, our limited effort. He's not up there saying, Y'all do the best you can. Y'all know the Lord Southern. If I was a Yankee preacher, I'd be saying, you guys, do all the best you can. You can't build the church through carnal tactics, you can't build the church through worldly wisdom. Some people have tried it, called the product a church, but it was little more than a social club or a large collection and gathering of unredeemed sinners. I've seen pastors do marketing that would make Madison Avenue envious. There's nothing wrong with marketing, but the point was just to get in people to have numbers. But nobody's life is being changed. And anybody can garner a crowd performing a dog and pony show. And I've seen pastors stoop to that level. The problem is if you do a dog and pony show, all you produce are dogs and ponies. And it's a whole lot easier to entertain than it is to disciple. You disciple people and they'll get mad. You disciple people and they'll leave the church. You disciple people and they'll put their feet in the mud and say, I'm not gonna change. Anybody likes to go to the movies and watch a movie, but then let God get in your life and come to church and hear the word and hear some things that make you uncomfortable or show you the areas of your life that need to be changed. It's tough when you're there at those places. If you'll get in the altar and let God be in control of your life, that's when He'll change you and transform you, and God will do something magnificent in and through you. You don't build the church, Jesus builds the church. He said that He's building His church on a rock. Now, the Catholics say that Peter is the rock, and thus He's the first Pope of the church. Peter is the rock. We don't believe that in Protestantism, and there's a good biblical reason, because Jesus said to Peter, you are Peter. In the Greek, that's the word petros, which means a fragment of a larger rock. Okay? He's a chip off the old block. Must have looked like his daddy. But he said, you are Peter, petros, a little tiny rock, a little sliver of a rock. He said, but upon this rock, petra which is a massive boulder or foundation rock. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. So what's the rock? Scholars have debated it for years. What's the rock? Some said, well, the, the more spiritual ones say, well, Jesus is the rock. You know, those are the same ones in the kids in Sunday school. How many disciples were there? Jesus. Every answer is Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Who is in the, who is, who is swallowed by whale? Jesus. And the kids that do that in Sunday school. Well, at least they got that part right. Jesus. Okay. Jesus is the rock. Well, he is the rock. How many know Jesus is the rock? And so he is the rock. Others say that the confession of Peter is the rock. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. That's the rock. Well, Pastor, which is it? I don't know. I think it's both. I think it's I don't think it's either or, I think it's and both. I think the rock is Jesus, and I think the confession is Jesus. Because when you, if you're going to get in the true church, you've got to believe in Jesus. And you've got to confess him. What is Romans 10, 9, 10? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So to be a member of the church, you have to place your faith in Jesus, the rock you got to make the profession. That's how you get it. And listen to me. That's how Jesus has been building the church. I sat in that growth track, stood in that growth track room just just, just an hour or so ago. And I told these fine folks who are new and they're coming to our church and they want to get involved. I said, there are a lot of things that we do here and a lot of things that happen. I said, well, the thing that matters most to us is to see people come to Christ. I just want to see people get saved. There are certain things that get me excited, and the first one is when a sinner who's got their life all messed up, finally the Lord gets through with them, and they yield themselves, and they pray and say, Oh, God, I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I confess my sins. Come into my heart. I'm, I deserve to die, but you died in my place. I repent of my sins, and I give my life to you. I love that, and to see the change, the expression on their face where old things pass away and everything becomes and the guilt and the fear and the shame leave and the joy and the peace and the love of God flood there. How, how many remember y'all when y'all got saved? You remember that? Oh, I love that. That's how you build the church. Jesus is building there. The Great Commission is the mission of the church. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. It's hard work making disciples. You gotta get your hands dirty when you make disciples. Because some people come in from a life of sin and they don't know. Most of y'all probably grew up in church. At least you got some idea, but there are folks that have come in here and they don't know anything. They don't know anything at all. I mean, I heard one time one guy, and I'm not never going to cuss, sir, but a guy used the D word. He was a the preacher, just got saved. He said that was a D good sermon, Pastor, and he said it out loud. He's like, whoa, 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 don't, don't do that. He, he's I don't do that. No, don't do that. Okay, well, I won't do that anymore. He's just trying to learn. He said, Well, sh-. did he chew him out? No, you don't chew him out. He's learning. Come on. You got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's got to go through a process, and that's discipleship. You got to help him. And okay. I've had couples living together, and I've preached against it and told them that was sin. They've come up to me literally after church right here. Well, Pastor, we're going to get married this week. Y'all are. I said, Why? Well, you, we've been living together, but you said that's wrong. They didn't even have sense to know that's wrong. But in this culture, it's not. That's why you better have a preacher who preaches the word. And you better have a Bible that tells you the word. I'm preaching today. Y'all just haven't figured it out yet. And I said, yeah, go get married. That's how Jesus builds the church. He changes lives. Now just let me get this out. I know what time it is. We got plenty of time. Y'all hold on. The last 10 years, I have done good expository preaching, elder, up to this point, but I'm about to leave that. The last 10 years, the church has faced some tremendous challenges. I'm talking about the church of God, of Jesus Christ, especially in America. We've gone through some rough patches, we've experienced some significant changes. Maybe you know these things, maybe you don't, but let me share them with you. People used to attend church, the statistics bear this out, on average, three to four times a month, three or four Sunday mornings a month. That was the average, three or four. That means that they're almost, at all the Sundays, they might miss one. A number of years ago, we were seeing a shift It went to 50%. Just recently before COVID, the last few years before COVID, the church leadership across America was startled because the statistics were showing that church attendance on Sunday morning had dropped to 25% for a lot of people, one Sunday a month. If you sat them down and said, Last year, how many times did you go to church? 12, 365 days. How many many of those days were you in church? 12, 12. Don't think we pastors have not been alarmed. It's happening everywhere. Then COVID comes along. (laughs) Talking about jumping out of the fryer into the frying pan. COVID hits in 2019, we had to cancel services. It's bad enough that people aren't getting here but one time Sunday. Now we're going to eliminate that one for them. And there were some good things that came out of it because the church had to go online. Pastors of small churches, churches everywhere, had to figure out how to put their phone on a stand and turn it around and hit Facebook Live and preach to an empty church. Auditorium to their people on Sunday morning or maybe on the night recorded or Facebook live they did it live and and just preached to the people to try to minister somehow and, and and what happened is churches started reaching beyond so little churches are running seventy five other other people in the community they tell them they started some of those little churches were getting all fired up because they were reaching two three, four hundred people watching them online. They thought that's the biggest thing in the world it was it's been a big deal. We have people that watch us. Literally from coast to coast right now in the United States of America. From Massachusetts to California. That was a cool thing. And then you, the people couldn't be here to pass the plate anymore to put their offerings in. And, and so we got ahead of that curve, man. We were right on the front end. I remember the first time we introduced online giving, y'all looked at me like a deer staring at headlights. Y'all don't know that, but you did. We put all that up on the... And some of, some of the folks were like... But I brought my check, preacher... We'll take it, but what, but next Sunday, huh? you just don't. It was it was comical to me, but y'all got on board, and now uh, it's sixty. What is it? At least a sixty seventy percent, sixty to seventy percent. Now some of y'all, y'all gonna give that cash and that check regardless. I'm gonna tell you like that radio preacher. Y'all keep them cards and letters coming, okay? That's fine. Just, we'll, all right. But a lot of churches, they couldn't pass, so those churches had to learn how to do online giving. And that's a good thing because you know what? When you give online, you're more consistent. You'll make sure your power bill gets paid every month. Help him, Lord. He's going into our pocketbooks. Help him, Jesus. You just put your tithe in that automatic, right? That's what people do. And so they're more consistent, and that helps us, right? Come on, does that help you? That helps people. It's a positive. So there was some good that came out of it. Well, Here's the bad. We were out of church for a long time, and then we got back, and then we stopped again. And then we got back, and then we stopped again. It was kind of a start and stop, start and stop. And in that process, some folks decided they like watching the service at home in their pajamas. So they didn't come back to church. It's happening all over America, by the way. It's happening everywhere. I had some folks, I appreciate their honesty. Now, I do. That's one of the things I like, to shoot straight with me. Okay? I had some folks tell me, preacher, preacher, I just got lazy. I've just got lazy. As far as I know, they're still lazy because they haven't come back yet. But at least they were honest about their laziness. We're laughing, but they get up and go to work in the morning. I see them at Target. They get their hair cut. They get the tires rotated. They've been in restaurants all over town. They go to high school games and rec games and YMCA games. I'm just looking at you because if I look at anybody else, they may think I'm talking to them. So is that okay if I talk to you? They go to sporting events and they'll drive to Atlanta and watch the Braves. They'll go watch Clemson play. They'll drive to Columbia and sit in that big old stadium with all those tens of thousands of people. They ain't worried about COVID there, but oh God, they can't come to church. Sounds like I'm mad. I'm not. It does. I'll get some. You're mad. I'm not mad. But I'm grieved for you. I'm grieved. Because I had this, y'all just put your your phones away. Don't look at the clock. I, I ain't done. I was on the way over here. Somebody needs this. The devil got Eve in the garden, and they had everything they needed right there. But the devil got her looking somewhere else and said, what God has given you Right here, you don't need that anymore. You can do it all by yourself. That's what the Lord spoke to me on the way driving over here this morning. That's not in my notes. And that's the lie of the devil that will kill you. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the custom of doing. But join together. Even as we are in the last days, you need to be in church. And then members that used to come to church decided not to come to church anymore. And let let me have a caveat. All y'all listen to me, unless you've already got mad and turned me off, then it doesn't matter. But I'm not talking about people that have health issues. I've made this clear. I'm not talking about people that can't come to church. I've got folks right now that are watching us. They're precious folks that if they could be here, they'd be here. They tell me so. I'm not talking about those folks. And matter of fact, the people I'm talking about probably aren't even watching. Do you know what most church attendance is across America now? 50 to 60% of what it was pre-COVID. That's, that's a national average. 50 to 60%. We've lost half the attendance. Now, in this church, because some of y'all rotate anyway, I'll see you two weeks from now. You know who you are. Y'all were like that before COVID. We have worked hard. We think we're probably maybe at 70%. Okay? 50 to 60%. Don't you think that's concerned pastors, spiritual leaders? We're not mad. We love you. Shepherds love their sheep. We're not mad. We're grieved. We're concerned. Y'all know there's been a lot of sheep swapping going around too. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, I'm preaching it. (laughs) I just said it's too late. Can't take it back now. Been a lot of sheep swapping going on. Pastor, have we lost some? Yes, we have. They're going to other churches. I've lost a few folks. Stop coming here then all of a sudden found out they decided to go to another church. One or two said, y'all aren't offering enough. It's COVID. We're not offering anything. Don't make up excuses. Just be honest with me. Some have given good, honest answers. I'll take those. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to get into all that. But just don't. There's a, so I've had pastors, oh, my church has grown. Really? A lot of it's been church swap, sheep swapping. Okay? Sheep swapping. Not all of it, because I'm about to talk to this church in a minute. I am normally an optimistic person. I'm a glass half full guy. If anybody knows me well, they know I'm a glass half full. My, son, my oldest son looked at me the other day and said, Dad, your problem is you always see the good in everybody. I said, that's true, but when I see the bad, I'm not naive. I put you in another category real quick. I wasn't born yesterday. But I feel like as a pastor, I have to look for the best in you. I think if Jesus can change you, I, got all, I think you have all the potential in the world. I, I look for the good in people. I'm optimistic. But I'm, I want to be honest with you. After months and months and over a year, year and a half of fighting COVID, you know pastors have been dropping out of the ministry because they've told their bishops or they've just turned their, told their church, I, I did not sign up for this. I'm not equipped for this. I, did not, I do not know how to lead through COVID, and they have resigned. It's happened all over America. And I'm telling you right now, all of us, all we pastors, we were frustrated. We were doing the best we can, the best we could. People criticized us. Some folks we did enough. Some folks we didn't do enough. And that will drive you nuts. If you let it, it will keep you up at night. But we made up our mind we were going to do everything we could but still try to offer church. We just tried to walk tiptoe through that minefield and walk that tight line. It was tough. But I'm going to be honest with you. I reached a point a few months ago that I was moving from optimism to pessimism. I'm starting to get pessimistic about the church. My whole attitude was turning sour, and that's not like me. Just one thing after another, and I, it started wearing me down. I pray, I seek the Lord, but I'm just telling you, my spirit, I had gotten worn down. And on a Monday morning, I was sitting in my staff meeting, talking to our team, and I was talking pessimistically about the church and about things that were happening. I know that's not, they're not used to that, but I was just trying to deal with reality, and I was just saying th- things, and I'm just not being very pessimistic about the future, when in one split second, and that's how God can work, how fast God can work. In one split second, while I was running my mouth, in my mind and into my spirit, it, like it shot like an arrow from heaven, went through my head into my soul, I heard the Lord say to me, Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That thing hit my spirit. I stopped what I was doing, and in an instant, I changed my tone completely. In an instant, I started talking positively. Except this wasn't Chris manufactured. This was God manufactured, Spirit manufactured, and I began to share I, all of. In one, that's how fast God can change your life. People were, "Can God change me?" He can change you in a not a second, in a split second, and in a split second. And since that day, listen to me. Since that day, my whole attitude has been completely reversed. You know why? Because I believe with all my heart that despite the church swapping and despite the people who are staying home and getting lazy and despite the fact that we've got less than what we used to have and it just seems like you can't get people to go to church but they're doing everything. All those things that could be very discouraging what I realize is that this isn't my church and it's not your church it's Jesus' church and he's been building the church he is building the church he hasn't stopped my God I'm going to shout a little bit i got to shout he hasn't stopped building the church and he's going to keep on building the church until he comes my God. my God, I just got a Pentecostal shout a little bit. Hallelujah. And since that day, my whole attitude has changed. And I want to share it with you. Say, what's happening to you, Pastor Chris? I've got a faith in God right now that I can't wait to see what he's going to do. What is he, what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. All that stuff I just preached to you is still happening and still the same. But what I know is there is a God in heaven who said somehow, some way, he's got a divine plan. He is going to build the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how he's going to do it. I've got some ideas. But I'm telling you, the church will not go under. The church will not stall out. The church will not plateau. The church will not go into decline. You may hear of some local congregations that are struggling, but the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ will keep on going on because God somehow, some way, is going to make it happen and i want to be a part of it and i want high praises to be a part of it i believe that with all my heart oh god help me to preach right now nothing will stop his church from pressing on not even hell itself i think covid came from hell it might have come out of a lab in china and wuhan but i think it came from hell and I think the devil is laughing because, because of COVID. It has affected people. Can I can I preach? I got a lot I gotta get out. I gotta get this out. Twenty-five years ago, some of this stuff seemed to my nose. Twenty five years ago, I noticed this, Chuck. There was a delineation that happened in the church. God, God separated, this is gonna resonate with some of y'all. God separated the wheat and the chaff. I saw it in the church. How do you know the Bible says judgment begins where? In the house of God. That's what the Bible says. Judgment begins in the house of God. And so the Lord, 25 years ago, there was a delineation started happening. And all play, people playing games and playing church, they just started leaving by the side. But God started, started selecting and focusing in on the people that were serious about him and serious about the church. Well, what I see happening is through COVID, it's happening again. There's a delineation in the church. And so there, there are people that are playing church, couldn't care about church, gonna show up every once in a while to church. They're not gonna connect with the body of Christ. They're, they're gonna go to everything else because you can't get into a men's breakfast or a women's event or, or a life group or a small group. They're gonna do everything. That's fine. But God is gonna save my. I'm telling you what's gonna happen, I feel prophetic. God's gonna save people in America. God's gonna save people right here in Anderson, South Carolina. And as he saves them, he's gonna send them to churches where they preach the word, where the Holy Spirit moves, where people will be discipled, where people can get filled with the Holy Ghost, where lives can be changed, where drug addicts can be set free. Do you hear me? He's gonna save them and he's gonna build his church. It will happen. tell you something else. Can I get this out? I'm already in it now. Don't y'all make fun of me. AARP recently put a list out nationwide. Top 10 cities to retire in. Guess who was in the top 10? Anderson, South Carolina. Fox News put out a graph that showed the 50 states Showed all the states that were gaining people, even and out, and then all the states that were losing people. I think California was right down there at the bottom. Bless their hearts, as we say down south. But guess who was in the top five? South Carolina. I I, I, I just can't stay still. I feel like I'm going to run. I may throw this mic to you, elder, and I'm going to run. You just preach. my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me God won't bring them in. I've prayed for years, bring them in from the north, south, east, and west, and keep out the wolves and sheep's clothing and the black sheep. And what I'm seeing is God is answering the prayer of this man of God, and people are moving here from all over the United States. And let me tell you what they're telling me when they come here. I've driven by this church, and something said to me, you need to go check that out. And we came in here, and we love it, and we plan... We plan to come to this church. Don't tell me he can't build his church. I'm tired of playing with church players. I'm ready for somebody somebody who's hungry for God and wants a move of God in their life. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. We better be ready because they're coming. God's building his church. I'm yelling, but I'm Pentecostal. Leave me alone. Hallelujah. Come on, stand with me all over this house. Woo. I had to get this out. God's building his church. COVID won't stop it. The devil won't stop it the minions of hell won't stop it you can try to try to stop it they won't happen you can persecute us and we'll still grow try to drive us underground and we'll thrive knock us down and we get back up stronger than ever Uh, here's what I believe God's going to do I wrote four things down I believe he is this is going to hurt somebody I believe he's bypassing churchy people who care more about this world than they do the kingdom of God. Second, I believe he's going to save the lost, a great harvest, and they're going to flock to the church. I've already preached the part about Anderson in South Carolina, the upstate. Here's the last thing I want to say. I believe we're living in the last days. One of the elders of the church and I, he's very well versed in Prophecy. We are watching Russia and Ukraine. If you go to the book of Ezekiel, there is something that is a mystery to prophetic students called the Battle of Haman Gog. They never can figure out where it fits. I'm not saying that this could be it. But don't be shocked if this thing escalates. It may escalate. And this may be that which is prophesied by the prophet Ezekiel of the battle of Haman Gog, which is a precursor to the tribulation period. I don't know. Only God knows. But it's enough for me to say, I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to toil with sin. If I'm ever going to live for Jesus and come to church and make sure my heart's right, it's right now. Because he could step over the battlements of glory to catch us away at any moment. I think we're so close, it'd shock us if we knew. If you read the book of Revelation, those seven churches talked about the lampstands. The last two were Philadelphia and Laodicea. Yes, before Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, there was a Philadelphia, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. The church at Philadelphia was the only church out of the seven that Jesus said, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. It was the only church he didn't one other he didn't have to chew him out about something this was the church that decided they were going to live for Jesus he said i know you have a little strength but they wanted to live for the lord the laodicean church was the church that said we are rich we're blessed we got property we got a big facility we got all kinds of connections we got a celebrity pastor we got paid musicians i'm just making stuff now we got all the money in the bank We don't need anything. We're a great church. And Jesus said, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked spiritually. And he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm not even in your church. I'm out here knocking on the door saying, will you please let me in? Scholars sometimes think that those seven churches represent the seven periods of the church age up until now. Whether or not you believe that, it doesn't matter. Right now, it works well for what I'm talking about. There could be some credit to it. We'll get to heaven and ask the Lord. But often they think the Philadelphia church and the Laodicean church represents what's happening in the end time with the churchy people playing church, the false church, Laodicea, and the Philadelphia church, those who comprise the true church of the living God. Y'all listen to me. As long as I'm your pastor and by the strength and the help and the grace of God we're going to be a Philadelphia church. I said, we're going to be a Philadelphia church so that when He comes, He will find us ready to go. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.